Gambling is both one of the darlings of the human race, whilst also being seen as the devil. But the truth is both better and worse than these understandings. On the one hand, winning a bet is undeniably enjoyable and releases very concentrated feelings of joy that don't often appear in broader life. But of course, it's a slippery slope into debt, addiction, exploitation, and moving into black market betting where more than just your mortgage is at stake. You may think only fools get addicted to gambling and that you are too smart to fall for the many traps. But such stigmatization of the victims and overconfidence in the face of the tricks of the trade, when in fact no one is immune, has left a culture where most of us are unprepared to deal with the constant gambling persuasions and it's only a matter of time before more of us fall foul. Could be your husband, could be your daughter, could be your friend. The only way we can hedge our bets against the cycle is through greater understanding of our natural predispositions that can be so easily exploited. Gambling isn't going anywhere. But in this series, I will attempt to provide you with a basic foundation, a small shield in the face of millions of companies spending billions to get as many people as possible on their books. To be clear, I'm in no way advocating for gambling. On the contrary, I've already turned down betting companies wishing to sponsor this podcast. But I am also not seeking to degrade or to ostracize those who gamble regularly. There is the potential for joy there. But only with a deep, collective understanding can we live in a society where all gambling is properly regulated and taxed, most of its negative side effects are prevented, and we are quickly able to offer the intervention, compassion, and guidance to those who do overindulge. Let's dive straight into part one natural irrationality. Humans like to think of themselves as rational beings. But in truth, we are often far from rational. We can be driven by emotions and impulses, and the rational choice might not always be the most apparent, or of course the most fun. This has been proven time and again when humans overly focus on the outcome of low probability risk. An easy yet grim example of this is that you are more likely to die in a car accident than in a plane crash. But the idea of the extreme nature of a plane crash leaves far more of the population as nervous flyers than as terrified car passengers. In the same, again, grim vein, you are far more likely to die from complications caused by breathing in inner city emissions than you are from a terrorist attack. Yet the distant possibility of lung cancer doesn't excite our brains as much as the images of terrorism does. So our leaders, media, and, well, fellow citizens react disproportionately. This part of human nature is evident when offering most people a series of simple wages. If you ask someone to bet $25, with a 100% chance of winning their money back, most people would think you're being stupid, and frankly, you would be. What's important from this is the expected value, a term that I will return to time and again. The expected value of this bet is $25. 25 multiplied by 100% is 25. Then if you said, let's play a few rounds where you bet $25 and you have an 80% chance of winning $31.25. Studies have shown that most people turn down this bet, arguing that the return is too small 
while risking quite a large amount of money, relatively speaking. But interestingly, the expected return on the bet is still $25. That is to say, if you played this bet, say, a thousand times, sure, mostly you would win and you would start racking up a profit. But of course, every now and then, you would lose. And I can be confident in saying it would even out to about $25 at the end of a thousand bets. Let's keep going. Offer people a few rounds of betting, $25 stake, $125 potential return, but only a 20% chance of winning. Now people start to get much more interested. $125 is quite an appealing sum. But of course, 125 divided by 5, or shall we say times 20%, means the expected return is still only $25. We keep going. $500 return on a 25 bet, but only a 5% chance. Well, now the bets will start really pouring in. Can we even go further? Well, now let's offer $250 million on a $25 bet, but at a 0.00001% chance. Well, you may not believe it, but when you offer this bet to the population, people will be lining up across the country to take that bet even though all of these bets have exactly the same expected return. And if that still doesn't make sense to you, we explore this concept of expected value a lot more in part two of this series. This quirk in people's betting habits has been proven in study after study. The mental image of winning $250 million, a life-changing sum of money, is far more enticing compared to winning the $31.25 where the focus is much more on maybe losing your original stake. And of course, this is also the premise of one of the most common gambles that humans ever take, the lotto. This kind of enticing risk is sometimes referred to as high-impact, low-probability risk. And our preference for it holds true to such a degree that lottos in many countries around the world are treated as a tax on citizens. This is just one example of the irrationality in all of us. It's not a weakness. I really want to emphasize that. The ability to imagine things like that, to dare to dream, is part of being human. But it and other times where we may be biased in the face of undisputed statistics must be understood by all of us or else we are very vulnerable to exploitation. Talking of, let us quickly go through some other notable gamblers' fallacies. And I must thank Kevin Delaplante of Argument Ninja for bringing some of these to my attention. We start with some more probability fallacies, including the gambler's fallacy, the belief that random sequences are self-correcting, that one might be due a win due to a previous loss. In contrast to this is the hot hand fallacy, Believing that winning before means that you'll win again. We've all felt that confidence of a winning streak, right? And then the near-miss fallacy. If you were so close on a dice roll, say, then you think you might win next time. Of course, all three of these feelings are indeed fallacies. Each spin of a roulette wheel has the same odds as the previous spin. Then we have illusions of control. This is when you believe that you have control of a game that is entirely a game of chance. You've probably found yourself doing this subconsciously even when playing a board game. 
have you noticed how sometimes people roll the dice harder if you want a high number and softer if you want a low number? Another illusion of control during a game of chance is when an early success during the game can lead to a subconscious, but of course entirely false belief that one has skill in that game. No one is immune to these kinds of subconscious illusions, but you do have to consciously put them aside. And then we have selective recall or biased memories. We naturally remember wins more clearly than losses, meaning we think we are doing better than we actually are. But also, any belief in fate, luck, tokens, superstition, prayer, and, well, spiritual-based assistance is seen as a weakness in the gambler's armor from the perspective of the casino, as these things do not impact their odds of winning. But the belief that they might leads to, well, irrational behavior. But on that note of irrationality, I think that's enough for you guys today. I will be back in part two, the Casino House Edge. And to make sure you don't miss part two or any of the parts of the series or, well, any of the episodes of this podcast, I really recommend subscribing on your podcast provider of choice. Otherwise, you can also find us at Sustaining Sport on Instagram and LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter at BenMoll11. Or you can subscribe by email on the website, uh, sustainingsport.com. So yeah, thanks for your time and see you in part two.